everybody. Just a little reminder that for the month of March, we're doing college movies instead of girl power movies. Sorry about the slight change, but because few things happen with both me and Gracie, and life's just been a little bit busy, but we still want to get those episodes out to you. So enjoy Legally Blonde. Hello and welcome to The Feminist Critique. I'm Ajeline. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast with two of us. We take a movie, we dissect it, and we ask some questions like if it is feminist or inclusive, and above all, if it's good. Yes. And I am super excited for this month because we're taking a breather. We've done a lot of serious movies lately. We're, we're taking it back. We're doing some good chick flicks, but a certain kind of chick flick. We are doing chick flicks that emulate girl power. Yeah, feminist chick flicks. Feminist chick or things that are supposed to be feminist chick flicks. Let's, well, that too. Let's let's reframe that. They're <laughs> supposed to be because not, some of this shit's not good. No. Um, <laughs> and we're gonna start off talking about Legally Blonde. Now I'm gonna be honest. This is one of my favorite movies. Still is. I'm glad we got to, we get to talk about it. We were actually planning on doing this movie earlier in our thing. We were going to do like an early 2000s girl power movie and do like Mean Girls and stuff. But it we just kind of pushed it down the line. So that's why when we were trying to figure out what to do for this month um, as a buffer for what we're doing next month. And what we did last month, I was like, oh, well, you know, let's try girl power movies and like movies that are promoting, you know, women and, you know, showcasing women. So that's why we're doing this one. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm pretty excited about this movie. Like it is. It touches on a lot of stuff and is kind of progressive for early 2000s. Yeah. A little problematic in some ways, but it's definitely a beacon of its time. Yeah. Uh, so, this movie uh, has a budget of $18 million, box office $141 million, so it did very well. Rotten Tomatoes score 69% critical, 72% audience, so about on par. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Robert Luketic, who also directed 21 and that old-time favorite around here. The Ugly Truth. <laughs> Writers Karen McCullough and Kristen Smith also worked on The Ugly Truth and House Bunny, uh, which we covered in January. Uh, it's also based on a novel by Amanda Brown, and the novel is based on Amanda Brown's experience at Stanford Law. Really? Yes. She... She, like, she she was the Legally Blonde? She was the Legally Blonde. Uh, from what I remember reading, like, she had wrote all of her stuff down in, like, letters and diaries and stuff. And then she made a manuscript based on the letters and the diary. And then she sent it to an agent, and the agent was like, hell yeah, this can be a book. And then it was. And I've never read the book, because I didn't know it was a book. I didn't know it was a book either. 
So there you go. Uh, cast. Cast includes Reese Witherspoon as Elle. She's in the upcoming Little Fires Everywhere HBO series. She's been in a lot of stuff like Election, Man in the Moon, Water for Elephants. Uh, she's got quite the career. Oh, she's oh. got a book club now. Like, Pardon? She's, the, she's got a book club now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she does because the library um, is constantly getting her stuff in that says Reese Witherspoon's book club or whatever. Oh. Or Reese Pick. Oh, okay. Also, her daughter is her twin. Yes, they look <laughs> very much alike. Holy crap. Uh, she and Ryan Philippe have really good genes. Yeah, it's... Those are some beautiful children. But she's so much more successful than he is. Uh... Oh, boy, sorry, was I, think I not supposed they, to... I think that's why they divorced, honestly. Because his career just kind of tanked after Cruel Intentions. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, he used to be, like, the hottest guy ever. Gosh. Like, he's still very sexy. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> it's just, he didn't take the right, I don't know. I think the best movie he's been in since Cruel Intentions, because I really like Cruel Intentions. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I think it's one of my favorite adaptions of a classic bit of literature. Um... But, like, the only thing good that I've seen him in since is Stop Loss, and not a lot of people know that movie, but it's really good. Wasn't he, um, the guy who, uh, was in the Star Wars prequels? No, that's Hayden Christensen. I know. (laughs) But to be fair... They look very similar. very, very similar. I thought I thought that it was Ryan Philippe when they did uh, that jumper movie, but yeah. it wasn't. It was it was uh, Hayden Hayden Christensen. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're not the only one who makes that mistake. So yeah. I'm saying, uh, Luke Wilson is also in this movie. He plays Emmett. He was in Idiocracy, Old School, The Royal Tenenbaums. He's had a very steady career. Um, uh, also known as the brother of Owen Wilson. Who everybody knows for wow, which I can't do it properly. Wow, yeah, that wow, um, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Selma Blair plays Vivian Kensington. She was also in Gruel- *Cruel Intentions* with Reese Witherspoon. Yes, she's in *The Sweetest Thing*. Again, she's had a steady career. Um. Matthew Davis plays Warner. He was in Blood Raven. He was also in Blue Crush. And uh, he has recently been in Legacies on the CW. So, again, super steady career. Who, who was he in uh, in Blue Crush? Was, uh, he the, was he the main guy in Blue Crush? Maybe? I oh don't know. Oh, my God, he was. I've never seen Blue Crush, so I can't Really? Okay. No. And that, I know you love that movie because Okay, no, 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 me. not anymore. I rewatched it, and I was yeah. like, oh, I thought this was, like, an amazing movie. Yeah, you told Ooh. me. She, like, sacrifices her entire future to be with him. Yeah, and you're like, girl, no. And her her it. best friend is, like, straight up, like, yeah, um, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm doing what I want. And it's no. like, you could, like, you could become famous if you work your butt off and, like, become, like, do the surfing thing. Like, you're really good at surfing. But that dick, though. 
But that dick, though. <laughs> um, Victor Garber plays Professor Callahan. He was in Titanic as Mr. Andrews. Uh, he's also in the Disney TV movie Annie. Um, he's one of those character actors that have been in a lot of things. He was in Alias. He was in he Alias. He was in Alias. I didn't Christ watch it. it. Yeah, but like that was his big thing. I mean, that launched Jennifer Gardner's uh, like career. career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And now Ben Affleck's like sad because she's not in his life anymore. Well, he should have cheated on her with it's the nanny. Sh- it's true. He should know. <laughs> it's his fault. It is um, his fault. Then, last but certainly not least, Jennifer Coolidge plays Paulette. She was, uh, at this time, best known for American Pie. Uh, I know her mostly from, like, a Cinderella story where she played the evil stepmother. But she's Uh, been in so many... uh, She's been a regular actor in Christopher Guest's uh, mockumentaries. She was in Best of Show, A Mighty Win, For Your Consideration, and in Mascots. Uh, She's been... Um, like she's been in so many things. She was in Lost in Austin, or wait, no, no, that's no, the wrong she one. She was in Austin Land. Yeah, Austin Land, not Lost in Austin. There's a lot of like Pride and Prejudice stuff, but she was in that movie or like that movie. Uh, she is so underrated. She is a fantastic. Like she just brings life to every character that she plays. <laughs> I love her. Like I yeah. absolutely love this actress (laughs) that's fair um okay so movie uh it starts off with like this really cute montage of Elle getting ready because she's pretty sure that her boyfriend is gonna propose and she can't wait to say yes to him you know she wants to be the trophy wife like she wants to be the cute thing dangling on his arm and she absolutely adores him Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that one scene at the beginning of the movie where they go shopping for a dress and then like the lady's like blondes are so dumb and she grabs the the dress and she's like yeah this is this and that and something about a half stitch whatever I don't know I'm not into fabric and then and then she's like uh, Elle's like actually that can't be happen- That that can't happen on that fabric also I saw it on last year's rack yeah, like she she tells this woman, and the woman's just like, "Huh, well. I wouldn't sh- I wouldn't shop there after after that oh, lady did oh, that." Oh, absolutely for me. not! Like if you're gonna like try to trick your customers, and they happen to be smarter than you think, like you're the worst. Don't do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd have pulled a uh, pretty woman. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, also like, that dress nope. that she was wearing that was like uh sequins or whatever like absolutely don't wear that dress for this dinner but i was looking at that sequin dress and going mm, drag I, i'd fucking wear that dress i would <laughs> absolutely wear that dress to any drag show it, it was it was so good i love that dress. i hated the dress that they put her in though for the date Oh That's yeah, me too. Like, like it wasn't that great of a pink dress. Tie dye. Yeah. No. No. It was the early. It was the early two thousands for some <laughs> god. Like during this time period, uh, some of the outfits were just like 
hideous. God, those, those, those pleather pants at the end of this movie, I had nightmares. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or um, what was that other thing? Um, the one hat that, like, her friend wore that was, like, puffy on top and, like, kind of, like like a visor or whatever uh-huh. like ugly um even her knit cap that was like had the flower on that was oh, like close to her head no. like ooh, no it was bad <laughs> but like back then we were looking at that stuff and just being like yes amazing work this, girl this is peak juicy couture velour jumpsuits oh, um yeah. <laughs> uh this is also peak denim everything Mm-hmm. And bright colors and pleather and oh wow, it's like they stepped onto a Lynn commer- like a Lynn music video. I mean, "Steal My Sunshine" is playing in the background every time they put on an outfit. Girl, we should really not talk because I don't know if you've seen what fashion is now, but we're wearing hella bright colors at this I point can't. too. No, I do not wear bright colors. I, I know not. you don't, but I'm talking about like the oh, the fashion there are that a they're going to unfortunate choices children are making these days. <laughs> well, yeah, but like we look at it now and we're just like, oh hell, that's like that's pretty cute. Like I would wear that. Um, but we are basically going through a second 80s at this point. Oh, I I agree. Complete with the <laughs> but like a classier <laughs> 80s if that makes sense. No, we're not. Not with. The- not with who we have as president. It's somehow no. worse. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I meant like, I mean we're, like the we're hair. We're doing and, all of the things oh my wrong God, that the 80s did wrong. Yeah, like we're doing all the things that are wrong. But I'm just saying that like um, fashion wise, it is a classier like 80s look uh, without being like that big, big old hair. Right. Yeah. Please like, do not bring back shoulder pads. Yeah. What we are you can talking live about those. I have small shoulders that need to have Be pads, up. so I like look squared off and look like a businesswoman. I'm just gonna <laughs> walk down the street and be like, "Look at me with my cell phone. I am stock marketing." Stock marketing. I'm. Those are technical terms. Uh huh. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a very serious business lady. That's that's what I was doing today. Like I went and shopped for some business attire, like because I don't have anything but jeans and t-shirts and a few really nice shirts that I got at Cracker Barrel. Um, Yes, and Cracker Barrel does sell clothing because apparently there were several people at my work who did not realize this. (laughs) Sounds about white. (laughs) It does. I did make that joke to her. I was like, "It's no wonder you never went. It's called Cracker Barrel." So, yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> she goes out to dinner with Warner and, you know, he's being real nice. He keeps calling her Pooh Bear because that's his pet name and she's totally freaking into it. And then he acts like he's going to propose, but then he says we should break up. And she's like, you're breaking up with me? And he goes, yeah, because my 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 brother is going to Yale and I'm going to Harvard and if I want to be a senator by the time I'm 30 then I'm gonna need a Jackie not a Marilyn yeah listen listen you piece of shit okay 
She was your ride or die. You know how I know? She would have done anything for your sorry ass. Mm-hmm. Anything. Yeah. But you basically called her a tart and yep. told her, no, you and can't a, be that. And that's the thing. Elle is not that, like, yes, she's very feminine and she's very, like, California flirty, right? But she is no tart. Yeah, she's, she's a, like, she's got this almost, like, bubbly innocence about her. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, she has a sense of naivety, which is probably true because she is a rich white girl who, you yes. know, but she's very philanthropic, you know, like she's vegetarian. She is against fur usage. Like she's obviously got a brain and she has activism. Granted, it's the, the most white feminist activism there could be, but you know, yeah. like, for for the time period, I kind of feel like she, with. She, she's a type of person who learns from, like, if she does something wrong and somebody points it out, she goes, "Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I will change my viewpoint. I yes. will be better. I will be a better person." Yes, which, I get that vibe. Which people need to realize, like, yeah, there's there's people out there who are like have lived very sheltered lives, but there's a difference between, you know, the people who, when they get called up and they're like, I'm not racist, I'm blah, 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 blah. And the people who are like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I will try to be a better person. Yeah, to the detriment of this movie, though, like, her entire sorority is white. There is not a oh. single black oh, girl. Like, there is oh, not yeah. a single Latinx girl. <laughs> like... There is white. Oh, girl, I know. Like, okay, so it's kind of like that one video that they made a meme about where it, like, opens up and it's the gates of hell. Um, (laughs) But it's just all these sorority sorority girls. Hey, welcome to Delta Kappa. Kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Which traditionally, you know, like, we talked about this on Dear White People, like, a lot of the times these houses have a traditional ooh, God, I'm tired. Uh, these these uh, sororities and these fraternities have a more traditional like set of who usually gets in. Lots of legacy candidates and if it's a legacy candidate, candidate it's likely a white candidate, you know, and they get up over others. It's just this is a very white feminist movie. Gonna go ahead and yeah. put that there. Oh, absolutely! It's like very, it's a, f- it's fun, but it definitely is very white. It's very white. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, he breaks up with her, and then you know he gives her a ride back to the, to the thing, and then she goes into a depression for a whole week, uh, and eats chocolate and throws chocolates at men who talk about how much they love someone on TV. Liar! Liar! <laughs> so good that that's so something good. you gif um <laughs> I, yeah so then it's a very she, movie so then she finds out that because he says that she's not serious enough for like this kind of life because he wants to be a politician or whatever because yeah. he's one of those he definitely would become a republican also, this is the part in the movie when I told Aisling, I said, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me how his brother is going to Yale, but he's going to Harvard because he's from a very, very rich family and mm-hmm. very, very rich families often do legacy 
Like, if your dad and your uncle and your brother went to Yale, you would go to Yale because there are rivalries within Ivy League colleges. Like, you are either Yale or Stanford or Brown or Harvard. There is no either or. Yeah, or Dartmouth. Nobody cares about Dartmouth. (laughs) It's it's the lesser of of the Ivy Leagues. (laughs) But, like, that's the point, right? Like... (laughs) Yeah, we both know the two of us would never get into Dartmouth. Never. The only Dartmouth I'm going to is Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. I just got to cross the bridge. (laughs) Amen, sister. Um, The only time I'll visit Harvard is if I ever go to Cambridge just to look at it. Like, I'm not going to Harvard. I don't want to go to Harvard. I don't want to go to an Ivy League school. Fuck that. Bless anybody that ever did go to an Ivy League school, because this girl is not it. Mm. Cannot. No. (laughs) Oh, no. Honestly, just in general, like, I did university for a little bit, and, like, fuck no. (laughs) No. Like, like, there is this fucking, like, not to, not, like, SJW, but there really is this, like, hoity-toity, like, sort of thing about There's going to university. There's a very feel to, the, to those types of colleges, right? And, and that's and the thing, like, like a lot of rich kids' families go to and, those schools. And, like, I didn't even go to a good university. I went to Brock. If you can walk and talk, you can go to Brock. I mean, <laughs> I got in. I got into Brock University. That ain't, that ain't a good thing. Like, that's not a good university. Um, but yeah, so I got in there, but I still felt like where I was, because I didn't do well, because I'm, I'm not dumb, but like, I'm not academia. Like, right. Like, and, that, and these schools are for academically minded people who love research papers and who like, love to read 10 chapters out of a textbook every night. It's, I it mean, was, you could do not, it, Gracie. It's not for me. But, yeah, you could do it, though. I, I, I know you could. I you're could, fucking, but I, you're I, a, I like to procrastinate. You're, you're <laughs> a fucking dork like that, though. <laughs> me, though, I totally. I'd okay, have to but, be on, like. <laughs> But see, my thing is, is like I get over obsessed about one thing Um, and then I'm only obsessed about that one thing and it consumes me like I'm like Gordo from Lizzie McGuire. I get over I get over obsessed about one thing and then that's my thing. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I do the exact same thing. I'm pretty sure that's like uh, isn't that something to do with the ADHD or something? possibly which i, I, I do have add so oh, do, it wouldn't have you been, shock me i've been uh, i have been clinically diagnosed i'm not just making it up okay, i do I have attention asking. deficit disorder well i say that because people are like oh you know you're just making it up i'm not i promise yeah <laughs> i have add and i have depression and i have anxiety i am a bundle of fun let me tell you you know what i, no, I, I get just, it I'm, I'm not going to self-diagnose myself, but I know I have something. I just need to go to therapy and figure out what it is. Yeah, I have been diagnosed with all three of those things. I'm a bundle of fun. You guys just have no idea. And I cope with all of my anxiety and depression with uh, with humor. So that's why we do this podcast. Where yep. Casey gets a healthy form of expression. Um, <laughs> oh man, I did not know that this episode was going to become us <laughs> revealing ourselves to that's every episode. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, uh, Elle gets out of her funk and she's like, 
well, I'm going to go to Harvard and I'm going to show him that I am serious enough to go to Harvard. And That's be with where I'm him. doing. Yeah, and be, and with, be him. with him. Um, so she has to make at least a 175 on her ass uh, on her LSATs, which are a logical uh, standardized academic test or something like that. Like, it's a hard test. Well, it's a law school uh, admission test. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you have to pass this test with a decent grade in order to get into law school. And she studies real hard. Well, she's also got a 4.0. Yeah, like, she's not in in fashion merchandising, which apparently is a thing. I didn't know you could get a degree in that. But all right. Um, I'm sure it's just, like, fashion. Like, you know, fashion design. Well, I think it's a little bit more than, you know retail so <laughs> yeah i'm i'm sure it's like uh basically she was going to school to be what kim kardashian was to paris hilton She's oh like, okay i guess something like that you know someone like a a personal assistant to a very famous person who could work in the fashion industry you know maybe become a fashion editor that kind of thing to I be guess- fair i think l uh woods if you know, she were actually a person, her Instagram would be, like, amazing. Oh, her Instagram would be fire. Mm-hmm. She would have, she would be, she would, she would be very She popular. would be an, in, an influencer. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so she, she sacrifices her, her sorority stuff and her social gatherings and she studies super hard and then she submits this video to Harvard. It's a and it's great, beautiful. It's a beautiful video. She even got a Coppola to edit it. <laughs> Whether it's Francis Ford or Sophia, you don't know. It could have been Nicolas Cage. Maybe he edited it because he's a Coppola too. Technically. Technically. Well, he is. He is. He, he is. just changed his name. It's kind of like Emilio Estevez is related to Martin and Charlie Sheen. Um, like that's his that's martin sheen's son (laughs) um yeah so she she gets like this video all ready to go i object i object well that's i object and then she smiles at the camera and she's like (laughs) so good i have a great ability to retain information l what happened on days of our lives yesterday (laughs) Uh. like that's the thing like she makes it she makes this ridiculous video and then it gets sent to harvard and there's like this um <laughs> like a room filled with old very white old <laughs> old white men who are like um well she has a 4.0 and she got 179 on her lsats which is only one point away from a from perfect, perfect score, score. Exactly. And then, okay, so then they say another thing about this, like, this part where they're like, well, you know, we're, like, looking for more diversity. And I'm like, mm, Oh, affirmative action at work. Mm, Think about it. I don't. Think yeah. about it. This is exactly what affirmative action was for. White oh, girls. my God. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you're a white woman, you've benefited more from affirmative action than any, any woman of color. So. Yep. And and oh god. 
the diversity. everybody brings everybody oh. brings this like brings it up and they're like affirmative action this affirmative action that and it's like yeah but like the people who benefited the most were white women so white women benefit the most from white supremacy yeah oh man anyway anyway so she eventually does get into harvard and she goes on her first day and someone makes the point of saying is this malibu barbie um which i thought was funny because i had thought the same thing uh, she meets a couple of people like uh, Mr. Kidney, who is this very awkward uh, gentleman, um, and then Enid, who's the SJW uh, super lesbian. Oh my god, she like <laughs> the she kind of in the fucking movie where she's like semester means semen. <laughs> it should be Ovester instead. <laughs> um yeah that's the other thing too about this uh about her character right um she's angry lesbian well yeah definitely angry but but she looks like the like she looks like uh sandra bullock's character before in miss congeniality (laughs) like she absolutely does i think it's the similar bone structure I really well, do. N- well, not just that, and like the glasses, and then like the looking like, <laughs> you know, fair. like the, there was a stereotype of like, you know, the angry SJW uh, lesbian woman who was like, "I'm not here for men," you know, men are scum, sort <laughs> yeah, of thing. Yeah, so like, yeah. that's that's what it is. It is that stereotype. Yeah, uh, this is where the movie has some failings, is every representation of non-straight person is a walking stereotype. Um, So Enid Enid is the, you know, super lesbian SJW who hates men. Uh, And then there's like, later on in the movie, there's the super gay pool boy who, you know, knows everything about fashion and shoes. And he's like, well, yeah, there's a part where he was like, don't you um, tap your last Last season season prod is at me, Me. honey. Yeah. (laughs) And then she was like, oh my god, he's gay! And it's like, no. "Mm, Okay. Um, But, like, it's not just that. Like, gay men during this time period were used as props. Yes. Because there's also during the bend and snap scene where the guy comes out, oh, right? The and bend it's bend and snap. And he says it just works like that. every time. Yeah. And it's like it's super flamboyant. And it's like, yes, there are flamboyant gay men. Oh, absolutely. Like they, they do exist, but can we see more types of gay men in a movie besides the super flamboyant one that likes bright colors just saying and talks effeminately because gay men come in all shapes and sizes and is really into share oh yeah that was another joke in this movie um I did find a share thing in the pool house once and it's like oh (laughs) god I mean to be fair Gay men do love share. Like that is a stereotype for a reason. It's the same with um, they used to love Julie Garwood. I mean, 
that's how um, Julie Stonewall. Garwood, Liza Minnelli, Dolly well, Parton, and well, Cher are like the gay oh Mount Rushmore. Well, no, it's not just that. Like, <laughs> you you know how Stonewall happened, right? Yeah, yeah. It was because Julie Garwood died. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Wow. Um. Anyway, uh, she ends up meeting Warren in the hall as they're like finishing up signing for classes, and he's like, "El, what are you doing here?" And she's like, "I got into Harvard." And he's like, "You got into Harvard Law?" And my favorite line: "What? Like it's hard?" Because we <laughs> find out later on that he got waitlisted. Him, a rich white guy with legacy. At this fucking school, got waitlisted because he sucks ass. Oh yeah, uh, but but he really is the type of guy who's like gonna end up on like the Supreme Court. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm oh just my saying. god! Oh my god! He's Brett Kavanaugh. He is. Oh, oh, oh man! That ugh. fuck Brett Kavanaugh. He's the worst. Um, so, anyway, she starts her classes. Um, her first class doesn't go that great because she didn't read, uh, she didn't read the first couple of chapters before she went to class and she doesn't have a laptop like everybody else. And the teacher kicks her out of the class for being ill-prepared. Uh, and, uh, then there's, of course, Vivian in the background who's, um, you know, showing her up. And then oh, yeah. she goes outside and she meets Emmett, who is, I love Emmett. Yeah. Emmett, Emmett is the kind of guy I want to date. Like, he's funny. He also is completely supportive of her, no matter what, even when he doesn't know her that well. Like, the first thing he does is give her advice on how to handle her professors. Oh, exactly. Like, he's precious. He- yeah, he just gives her, like, you know, just like, well, you know, uh, what's your class schedule? She tells him, and he's like, well, this one spits. This one, you know, <laughs> raise your hand. He likes when you're vocal, and, you know. Be prepared watch. for her class, and don't be afraid, you know, just be confident in your answers. And then he did say, you know, she made me cry once, but I waited till I was out of class before I did. <laughs> uh, I love a formidable professor. Yeah. Uh, um, and then Warner pops up and he, you know, is explaining, oh, yeah, I had a great summer. And then here comes Vivian and she, she like, she, she, what's the word? Of, flexes. She flexes that ring. Like oh, the way she, she throws her hand over his shoulder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like she, she is. Flexing. She's like, mm hmm. Well, I got the ring. Yeah. You didn't. A, a six carat. Harry Winston on her bony finger. <laughs> uh, what is the difference between carrots? Like the weight. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six carrots is like six grams. It big. It's a heavy ass ring. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. So anyway, after this, she she leaves and she goes to get a ma- uh, an emergency manicure, and this is where we meet Paulette. And then Paulette's like. You know, if you, a beautiful, strong woman, can't get your man, then there's no hope for the rest of us. <laughs> oh, which is so sad. Uh, yeah, it's definitely true that Paulette really lacks confidence. And 
Elle sees that, and throughout the movie, she helps Paulette. So, anyway, poor Elle is just having a hard time fitting in. And there's this one scene where she tries to join Vivian and Warner um, for a study group, and then Vivian's like, fuck off. And oh, yeah, her she's friend's like, like, it's a fool. smart people thing. <laughs> you bitch. That's the thing. Vivian's friend is so, is the worst. <laughs> she's she's a bad word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. So as Elle's leaving, uh, Enid was like, oh, you know, <laughs> maybe you, you should just quit or some dumb shit like that. And then she, you know, says... Uh, Elle's like, oh, well, you know, I would be nice to you at a rush party. And then Anna's like, yeah, but then you'd call me a dyke behind my back. And Elle was like, I don't use that word. So this is this is where you know that Elle, Elle says gay rights. Yeah. <laughs> Which in the second movie uh, is definitely more of a pronounced thing because um, we found out that Bruiser the dog is gay and has a gay has has a boyfriend dog. It's the okay. whitest fucking shit ever. <laughs> I mean... It's, it is the whitest of white plots, but it's kind of funny that they did a dog pride parade in the second movie. Wow. <laughs> they um, did. <laughs> they did. Uh, uh, so, wow. afterwards, um, um, there's a party, and Elle gets invited to it, and she gets told by... Vivian that it's a costume party. Yes, and she shows up looking like a, a Playboy, Playboy bunny. bunny. Yep, ears and all. And Enid is just like, oh, Gloria Steinem, but not stand for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair. Oh, but the best part, like, the good line was when the friend, Vivian's friend, is like, oh, wow. And Vivian goes, nice outfit. And I was like, yeah, I like your outfit, too. But when I dressed up like a frigid bitch, I don't try to look so constipated. Yeah. (laughs) She straight up, like, told her and then, like, walks away. And she's, she just goes around the party and she's just like. 100% confidence. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, what a queen. <laughs> yeah, there's even a part where, like, because she sees Warner and he's like, um, why are you dressed up like that? And she's like, oh, you know, I just wanted to get, like, a little dressed up, you know. Yeah, and fun. she even, like, even after she calls Vivian a bitch, she still doesn't put Vivian down in front of the guy in no. order to win him back. No, she doesn't. Like, holy shit. Even though Vivian treats her like shit, she still doesn't like put her down in front of Warner. Yeah. So, I mean, which is decent. Like, yeah. It's the right thing to do even if it sucks being the better person. Mhm. Um but after this she you know, well no Warner says something to the fact that you know maybe you should just give up. And she's like, I'm never going to be good enough for you, am I? fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. So she goes and she gets her own MacBook laptop thing. Uh, and Emmett is behind her in the store and he kind of clears his throat and she's like, don't ask. Then she gets super fucking determined. She starts passing all of her classes. She's doing a fucking jam up job. Well, she, she she is having her um, ha- her montage moment of yes. like, you know, getting ready. Like she is 
<laughs> showing that she is working hard, that she's determined. Because that's the thing that is amazing about Elle. She has that determination. She has that fire under her ass. She has a self-minded tenacity that I do not possess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she ends up like turning over a new leaf, getting good. She you know she starts impressing her professors and everything. And uh, she even gets Paulette's dog back and teaches Paulette the bend and snap because Paulette has the biggest crush on the UPS guy. I mean, to he be fair, hot. he is. He hot. <laughs> like, and he, he is. was into her. Like, every time he'd have to deliver a package for her, like, he would give her a once over. Like, he was into her. He was I mean, into her. he's daddy. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, <sighs> Professor Callahan ends up having um, a case to work on uh, with this very famous, uh, like, Jane Fonda type, you know, Buns of Steel girl, Brooke Shields, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember her name. But <clears throat> uh, anyway, Elle ends up getting on as one of his... Interns. Interns, yeah. Right. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, and the funny part in the... Another funny part in the movie is when they're like, exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people don't, don't kill, kill their, kill their husbands. husbands. <laughs> well, the kids... She also, like, when she gave her uh, resume to him... It was pink um, it, He's like, yeah, he's like, it's pink. And she's like, yeah, and it's scented, too. I just wanted to, like give it a little extra and he like smells and he's like um and then he gets Emmett to smell it and he's like smells good (laughs) I like I think that's really sweet that Emmett's like you know he's like yeah it's different but like I mean yeah and then they kind of have to work together to question uh the ex-wife of the guy that got shot and killed Mm mm-hmm yeah, and, they do. And he, she calls him a bonehead, and he's like, I don't think I've been called a bonehead since I was in eighth grade. And he's so utterly charmed by her, and I'm utterly charmed by both of them, because, god damn it, I ship them. That's the <laughs> thing. This movie is... Kind of. Like, yeah, there is, like, this ro- the romance part of it, but... It's, it's not a- the focal point. Oh, absolutely. It's It's definitely not the focal point. It is like the subplot but that's what i like about it like and it's it was about a healthy her relationship yeah he exactly. supports her and he even when people around them are questioning her judgment he's like nah just give her a chance let's trust her gut that's yeah. why Emmett is a king and warner is trash <laughs> yeah warner is trash we stan Emmett. <laughs> i can never say stan with a straight face I can't do it. I'm too old to use that word. <laughs> I don't see how you are, though, because, like, Stan is based off of Stan from Eminem's Which like, is a super music toxic video. fucking song. It's, it's honestly terrible. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's based off of that, which came out In around this time. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, like, we stan. We stan. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so one of the things I really did notice, though, is as they are going through this work of the trial, is that Callahan is constantly asking Vivian to fix his coffee or to file his paperwork. 
Yeah. And it's like, you misogynistic asshole. And yeah. then we find out that the only reason he's paying any attention to Elle is because he wants Elle to sleep with him in order for her to secure a place at a law firm when she graduates. Which is really gross. It's so fucking gross. It's disgusting. You know, I do kind of wonder, because this was during that, like, time period, right, where I'm sure that the whole casting couch uh, that, I mean, so we're, okay, so we are recording this on the day Harvey Weinstein was found guilty. Uh, yes, of fuck two guy. Uh, of two things, right? Uh, yeah, fuck that guy. So that's why when I ask, you know, about this point, right? I do wonder if this is something that um, that Reese Witherspoon may have encountered, you know, with being a young um, actress in Hollywood. Right? It's entirely possible. And, and, and I do wonder that because uh, Type A Films, um, the production company which made uh, this, was um, was created by Reese Witherspoon because she wanted to start her own company to be able to produce quality films for young women. Yeah. So she she made her own production company because... Which, Anyways. which to be fair, Reese Witherspoon was a child actress. Like she had okay. a career before this movie. Like she had been in several things. Uh, she uh, garnered a lot of attention for The Man in the Moon and Cruel Intentions and Election. So she had a career, um, yeah. and she had the money to create a production company. So, yeah. um. And maybe it wasn't necessarily that. Maybe she just knew people who had the unfortunate. You know, because this was around the same time that a lot of the Harvey Weinstein accusers would talk about when he was kind of like in his, I hate to use the word prime, but in his most predatory stage. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's entirely possible. We're just, of course, speculating. We don't we don't really know. Yeah, we don't actually know. But I mean, but sexual harassment as a whole is still a thing that women have to deal with. If you ask any woman, she has a sexual harassment story. And it's always some man who thinks that they have the upper hand in the situation that flexes that power in order to intimidate them. Like what Callahan did to her was completely unethical, especially because he was her professor. Yeah. It was... Yeah. It was gross. Like, he deserved to be fired for that shit. But I can tell you right now that not a single person would believe her. They would say that she had come on to him. Just like Vivian initially thought. Until Emmett set the record straight. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They would think that. they had a little bonding moment. And then then it it disappeared because Vivian thought that she had, you know, slept with Callahan to get her way onto the thing yeah um so the trial happens uh it's not super important to the plot except that um l like she quits because callahan hits on her and then she's like oh yeah this you know i can't do this and paulette's like get your shit together girl you know you can do this um 
And then Vivian apologizes to her. And then she's like, okay, we got this. So she goes back into the courtroom dressed in pink instead of her usual black like she's been wearing. Oh, she looks so good. I mean, she looked good in the black, but she looked good in the pink, too. Oh, for sure. Um, sorry, I'm so tired. Wake uh, up, Gracie. I can't. Wake up. It's Wake 10 up. o'clock at night. I'm exhausted. Wake uh, up. Um, so anyway, uh, the, the lady played by Allie Larder, um, she fires Callahan because she fi- finds out that Callahan, you know, sexually harassed Elle. And then Emmett, who is a licensed lawyer, agrees to supervise Elle so long as, you know, you know, to follow the rule of law. So Elle um, gets to question the daughter of the guy that was killed. And I'm not going to lie. I honestly thought that it was Ellen Page, even though Ellen Page was probably like 10 when this movie came out. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I knew... I, I'd seen this uh, this girl be well. I mean, yeah, at the time, I guess she was a girl, but yeah, she uh, she's actually the lead role in Freaks and Geeks, mm-hmm. right? And then she was also in um, the Scooby Doo movies as Velma. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was in a bunch of other things too. Like she's she's pretty well known. Uh, it's Linda uh, Cardella. Yeah, and she's uh, recently been in a Netflix movie, uh, Netflix TV show. Very but recently. The, but the thing I want to say about Freaks and Geeks is, so she she was like 24 playing a 17-year-old or like a 16-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. And then the kid or the person playing her younger brother was like 14. <laughs> like she was, a, she was the oldest person on set because everybody else was like age appropriate, Good right? Lord. Well, because I mean, it was like uh, James Franco, Seth mm-hmm. Rogen, Jason's... Uh, Seagull, like you know, for for a TV Busy show, that, yeah, for a TV show that only lasted one year, the impact that that cast has had on comedy as we know it is crazy. Because oh, wasn't absolutely. Judd Apatow involved in that as well? Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, well, it was it was created by uh, Paul uh, Feig, right? Mm-hmm. Who had done uh bridesmaids the heat mm-hmm. spy ghostbusters yeah, and then yeah, yeah. uh it was produced by judd apatel yeah. yeah yeah so that entire like even if the show only lasted a season the impact of all oh, of those people thing. working together has shaped 2000s comedy yeah it was so good there was 18 episodes completed but it got canceled after only 12 but it's really a shame because it it was such a good show it was like, just, it was fantastic it was just ahead of its time that's all oh yeah um it, it's really too bad yeah so anyway uh they're having this conversation you know back and forth and you know she's like so you were in the shower and the girl's like yeah i was in the shower so Elle asks her, so you, well, what did you do that day? And she's like, well, I went to this place, and then I went and got a perm, and then I came home. And Elle has a light bulb moment. And she goes, so you went home, and you took a shower. And then the judge is like, yeah, we kind of established that she was in the shower. And then Elle's like, you see, how many perms have you had again? And it's like, oh, you know, I've had, like, 60 perms. And so Elle goes, you know... 
the first rule of perm care is Well yeah, she tell well she tells the story first a about wet t-shirt how contest. Yeah, wet t-shirt contest <laughs> that her friend had gone got a perm and was in this uh, wet t-shirt contest and why did her curls not stay and the the girl chutney is like um because they got wet and she's like and isn't it the first rule when you go get your hair permed that you do not get them uh your hair washed within the first 24 hours or it will do de- that uh deactivate the alimonian whatever the fuck whatever. it is the deactivate yeah. the perm <laughs> that you know does the curls and she's like um well and as somebody who's gotten 30 perms wouldn't you know that and then it's like i did it but i thought it was her walking through the door <laughs> uh, and she's taken away in handcuffs and the other woman is found innocent also it's uh l's l's integrity is never you know put on because her client trusts her with a secret well yeah because um earlier right the reason why um she didn't have an alibi was because she went and got liposuction and she's a bun buster yeah and as somebody who is like a health you know professional if somebody found out if they found out that she went and got liposuction then she would be ruined yeah (laughs) which i mean okay uh so then you know (laughs) Warner's like, yeah, you know, congratulations. You did a really fucking good job. And she's like, "Uh, you know, if I want to make partner in a law firm, then I need a man who isn't a complete bonehead. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, she's straight up like, she's like, bye, bitch. I'm out. Bye-bye. And then she and and Vivian pretty much dumps him too because she's like, yeah, this this fucking loser. I'll go yeah. find myself a better guy, I guess. Um, so they and end up becoming really good friends. Besties. Yeah, which is sweet. I do like that Vivian um, has an arc over like getting over her internalized misogyny. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Like, because mm-hmm. that's what Vivian suffers from is internalized misogyny and, you know, wants to fight this other woman. Whereas Elle never wants to fight Vivian, um, even when she gets asked, like, is Vivian ugly? And Elle's like, no, she's unfortunately quite pretty. (laughs) You know, she could do with some mascara, but. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Elle never puts her down, even though she sees her as competition for Warner's affection. Whereas Warner is like, hell yeah, cat fight. And he's a piece of garbage yeah <laughs> yeah he, he really is <laughs> is it is that a vine it's like you're a piece of garbage because that's what i think what i think of warner <laughs> god where I did i get that from it's gonna i don't know oh man it, it could be like a comedy special i i but i can hear it in my head you're a piece of garbage. I'll look it up later. Anyway, no, I think um, I think of the like, just as I thought, trash. <laughs> um. So we fast forward, and L is basically made speaker for her class. 
Uh, she yeah. graduates magna cum laude. She is one of the highest performing people in her entire class. And she's going to get married to Emmett because he's going to propose. And yeah. she's best friends with Vivian. And Warner didn't graduate with any honors and any job offers. He's, he's going to become a TV pundit on Fox News. That's what's going to happen. Or, you know, on the Supreme Court. <laughs> it's very, very likely. But, um, yeah, so this whole movie, though, I because I made Gracie uh, watch the video Don't Be a Lawyer uh, <laughs> from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, because this movie, I was just like, don't be a lawyer. <laughs> and it's like all the good stuff to be a lawyer for, you know, make any money. <laughs> yeah, it's d- true. No money. No, no, no money. money. <laughs> no um, money. Plus, it's a bummer. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, trivia, trivia, trivia. While at Stanford, um, Amanda Brown, who wrote the book, uh, had letters back home regarding her inability to fit in with her classmates. She made a manuscript based on those letters and sent it to an agent who was drawn to it because it was the only manuscript submitted and written on pink paper, which is referenced in the film when Elle Woods gives Callahan her pink resume. (laughs) So I thought that was adorable. Uh, on the first day, Elle comments that whoever said orange is the new pink is seriously disturbed. And this is a reference to producer Mark Platt's other production, Josie and the Pussycats, in which teenagers are brainwashed into thinking orange is the new pink. I love that movie. And I never caught that. Oh, that's such a good movie. Like, I still remember the cat ear headphones that are, like, super popular now. They were cute. I want some now. <laughs> it's a, and that movie has Parker Posey in it, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's Parker Posey. It has a lot of, like, really early 2000s comedic actors and actresses in it. That You know who else it was? Parker Posey was in um, The Sweetest Thing. You're right. She was. Man, early 2000s, they just recycled the same five actresses for well, side she, characters. She was, yeah, she was also in Best in Show, huh. which was also what Jennifer Cooley was in. Uh-huh. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen Best in Show. I, w- I want to do like a whole month of mockumentaries. Mm-hmm. So bad you have no idea. Yeah. We have to, though, because I want to do yeah. Idiocracy. I want to do... Um, in the shadows is that it yes yeah i want to do that one so we're we're gonna eventually this is spinal tap god i would love to do this as spinal tap yes <laughs> we'd have to we have to do best of show because i love that one but also this is spinal tap and i know they're both uh christopher guest but i don't care he is oh my god we should do the mockumentary about uh what would happen if uh the confederates had won oh no there is a movie to. like that. I don't wanna. But I think it's a comedy. Uh, we'll see. Um, okay. So, 
neither the confrontation with Warner outside the courtroom nor the final graduation scene were part of the original script. When the movie was tested, audiences were so wrapped up in Elle's story, they were disappointed that she never got her revenge on Warner, and they also wanted to know what happened to her in the end. Did she become a lawyer? The two scenes had to be shot in England because Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Davis were both filming there. She was filming The Importance of Being Earnest while he was filming another project. The Great Hall of Dulwich College in London played Harvard Law School, and during the graduation scene, only Witherspoon and Davis were actually present. The shots of Jennifer Coolidge, Selma Blair, Luke Wilson, and other supporting cast members were filmed in L.A., and the whole thing was edited together later. Oh, wow. Okay. Also, Witherspoon and uh, Wilson were wearing wigs because her hair was cut short, and uh, he had shaved his head for the Royal Tenenbaums. But since, oh, there was a two yeah. year, since there was a two-year lapse, it was kind of okay that they looked a little different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's what I got as far as trivia. Um, I've kind of got something about the bend and snap. Uh... Go ahead, do it. Okay, now, this might get, like, a little convoluted because uh, it's, it's a bit long. But anyways, the bend and snap scene uh, where... Of course, uh, Elle explains to Paulette, you know, to get her crush's attention, almost didn't make it into the movie. Uh, the producer wanted a B-plot for Paulette, and the co-writer told Entertainment Weekly that at first we were like, should the store be robbed? And then Kristen Smith, also co-writer, observed, I think we spent a week or two trying to figure out this B-plot and uh, the big setup piece on what it should be. And there were crime plots. They were uh, pitching a scene after scene. And then they felt it was very, like, tonally weird. So later, while brainstorming at the bar in uh, Los Angeles, um, one of the writers came up with a solution what if l shows paulette a move that she can get the usp uh ups guy and in the spur of a moment smith invented the move standing up and demonstrating that it would become the bend and snap and it was a spontaneous advent uh invention um and was a completely drunken moment in the bar (laughs) it's beautiful um, and then it's the director later adapted the bend and snap move into a dance number for the film, which was fully cho- choreographed by Tony Basil. Um, oh, that's yeah. cool. You know, oh, the, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. So fine hey, Mickey. Oh, that's nifty. <laughs> I like that. This is cool trivia. And, mine's, uh, not, mine's not interesting. And she did the whole dance. And uh, I remember just reading it and thinking, this was the most hysterical thing ever. She added, I think this is Reese Witherspoon, what she's saying, um, and that it's still the most asked request uh, request I get from people, even this past year, when I was give, um, been giving speeches and talking about whatever. They always ask me, will you do the bend and snap? <laughs> I have a feeling I'll be doing the bend and snap until I'm 95. Yeah, I've also heard this is one of Reese Witherspoon's, like, her favorite movie that she's ever done, one of them. Yeah. Which, it seems like it was fun to make, so, you know. Uh, You don't get a lot of that backroom drama that you get with some stuff. Like, it seems like everybody had a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also, like, uh, I have to say, like, the music in this movie, pretty decent. Also, definitely a record of its time. 
Jojo. Oh, absolutely. Stop. Yeah, Jojo, stop that. Do you hear her? She's scratching everywhere. Josie. You know I'm just happy my cat's not meowing. If it's not your animal, it's mine. Um, it's true. So, tests. Bechdel yes. test. Two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. Um, I think this happens a couple of times with Paulette. Like, when Paulette is telling, you know, Elle, like, don't quit. You know, like, do better after the Callahan incident. So it's going to yeah. count. Um, but a lot of times they are talking about men. Uh, <laughs> racial Bechdel test uh, is when are there two people of color, black or indigenous, or other people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person? This is a very white movie. Um, there are some black women in the bend and snap scene, and then that's it. Yeah. So, uh... fail. Then you have the Macklemore test. You have a woman whose storyline isn't based on pushing a male narrative forward. Uh, Elle's story is about not being Warner's anymore. Like, it starts off with her trying to push his story along and then her finding her own. So I'm going to give it a pass. Then you have the DuVernay test. You have um, black indigenous or other people of color who matter to the plot, who have their own storyline that isn't based on pushing a white narrative. Uh, again, no people of color with names, so it fails. Then you have the Vita Russo test. Do you have people who identify on the gender, sexuality, or romantic minority? Do they matter to the plot? Are they more than a stereotype? Unfortunately, the three examples of LGBT or slash GSRM representation are all stereotypical. Um, and they don't really matter to the plot as a whole. So fail. And then the sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp and it not take away from the plot? Hmm. You get rid of the friend. Like Vivian's friend. And you get rid of Enid. She's not you important. Could get, you could get rid of uh, Elle's two friends. You could. They're, they're not important either. So yeah. yeah um, now, is this movie feminist? I think parts of it are. I like yes. the idea of a woman who has self-determination, um, even if the motivation was originally impressing a man, and then she turns it around and she's like, fuck it, I'll just do it for myself instead, because I know I'm better than this, you know, that kind of thing. I feel like that's a very feminist message. Um, but this movie does hurt from a lack of representation. I I wouldn't be opposed to... Maybe not a remake, but something, uh, another movie of a similar vein. Like, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's quite possible to recycle the plot and switch it up a bit and maybe make it more inclusive. So, you know. Oh, it, I think so. I think they could definitely, like, especially because we're in this time where, like, a lot of things are being recycled. And, you know, I know what a lot of people are, oh, you shouldn't, like, mess with the classics. But, I mean,. We've been doing that since, like, the golden age of Hollywood. Like, movies have been remade over and over again for years. Yeah. That's just what happens. Yeah, it, it, it's gonna happen eventually. Um, and people are like, oh, no, don't. It, It's fine, you know? Sometimes remakes are actually improvements. I mean, on our other podcast, 
I sincerely believe that the Parent Trap from 1998 is an improvement on the original. Not to yeah. say that the original is bad, I just feel like it's better, you know? Yeah. So it's it's not like remakes are awful, it's just when they're being used as cash grabs instead of trying to, like, create a new perspective. Like, the reason there are four different Little Women movies is because there are four different interpretations of the Little Women book. And each one is, even though it's, you know, linearly telling the same story, each each movie feels different. So it's entirely possible to take the same story, recycle it a little bit, change it up just a bit, and still come up with something different and new, even if it's the same story. So... Just, uh, just say it. So apparently, uh, there is supposed to be a Legally Blonde three coming out. Yep, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, it says it's supposed to come out in May. I don't think it's going to. No, it probably will come out next year because yeah, uh, I know Reese Witherspoon and Luke Wilson were like, hell yeah, we'll do it. Um, the second one was about Washington, D.C. politics, so the only other thing I can think is she'd become a judge. She gets on the Supreme Court. Ah, that'd be fucking great. Um, but, but no, I, um, honestly, like, yeah, uh, I think it would be fun to watch, like, a, like, a Legally Blonde 3, especially because it's been so many years since the last one, right? Yeah. So, like the third, the second one was not that great. I'm told I didn't watch it, but it um, it's not as good as the first one, but I still but, like it. But it's been like it's been almost twenty years since the first one came out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Where is Elle Woods now? We'll find out, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. So next week uh, we're going to be doing. <laughs> The wonderful classic of killing your boss, or at least trying to. Working nine to five, what a way to make a living. We were trying to figure out where to put nine to five. Like, last year we did um, the best little whorehouse in Texas, and I was like, man, we have definitely got to do nine to five. So, we're doing nine to five this time. It didn't fit last year because it wasn't a musical, so we're going to do it do it this year uh and then i think we're going to be doing a little yeah and uh like a boss yeah we'll figure it out um but next week we are doing nine to five so hopefully you guys listen into that uh you can check us out on twitter at feminist pod i'm on twitter at south of grace you can also email us at the feminist podcast the the Feminist Critique Podcast at gmail.com. Ajeline? I'm both on Instagram and uh, the other one, Twitter, <laughs> as Ajeline's A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. And um, I got like a drag thing going on called Aurora Borealis. Uh, that's on Instagram. You can check that out if you want. Um, I just want to be a famous drag queen lady, okay? <laughs> All right. Support me. (laughs) Okay. So uh, we're going to wrap things up. We can't wait to see you guys next week. And if you're looking for some cleaner content, you can check out our other podcast, Disney Dives. So bye. Bye. Bye.